come there. Praise the Lord. We're going to turn uh, to God's word tonight. Praise the Lord. Psalm, if you have your Bibles at home, Psalm uh, chapter 46, a very well-known Psalm, Psalm chapter 46. And we're going to read uh, this great Psalm together tonight. And then we're going to just look at it and pray the Lord will undertake for us as we look at it over the weeks to come. Psalm chapter 46. What a Psalm that we need to turn to in such a day in which we live. Psalm 46, God is our refuge, God is our strength, God is a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will, therefore will not we fear though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, and though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, and though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Sina, come. Behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. We know the Lord have blessed the reading of his word tonight. God is, God is, God is our refuge. This psalm, we don't know to what it was relating to or to whom necessarily it was relating to, but when it was penned, we know the context of the psalm was a time a time of calamity or a time of trouble. And this is the hour, this is the day, this is the time that we have come to. It is a time of calamity, it is a time of trouble, it is a time of turmoil. Men don't know what to do, don't know where to turn, don't know who to turn to, don't know how to fix this enormous problem that has come. And this was a song, you'll notice in the verse 1, when it's introduced to us, it says it was a song. Here's a song that came to the psalmist in the night hour. Here's a song that came in a time of trouble. Here's a song that came in the midst of deep despair and calamity. It was a song in the night. And we thank God that there is a song. There is a song for the redeemed of the Lord, even in these times of great trouble. You know it's called, this psalm is known as Luther's psalm because in the time of the Reformation when they were up against much persecution, when they were being uh, uh, oppressed and they were being uh, persecuted, when they were in great trouble and often his followers would become so discouraged that the words of Luther would often be, come let us sing Psalm 46 because God is our refuge and God is our strength and God is a very present help in the time of trouble. You know that song 
that the redeemed have. There's a song that we have in the night hour when it's the darkest. It's a song that the world do not have, but it is a song that has been put into the hearts of every believer. The psalmist says, if you turn over to Psalm uh, chapter 77, and again, here's another day of trouble. And we read these psalms, they're so clear, they're so expressive, uh, they're so, there's so much uh, detail in the hour in which people come to you of trouble and so honest in what they say. But in Psalm 77 and verse 2, this is what the psalmist says, In the day of my trouble, I sought the Lord. My soul ran in the night and ceased not. My soul refused to be comforted. He says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I commune with mine own heart. My spirit made diligent search. And these are the questions that he began to ask in the night hour. And this is the song that he began to sing. Verse 7 says, Will the Lord cast us off forever? And will he be favorable no more? These are the questions that so honest that he was asking, Is his mercy clean gone forever? Does his promise feel forevermore as he looks into the darkness and the depth of despair? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he, has he in anger shut up his tender mercies? Selah, think about these things. Think about the questions. This is the cry of the psalmist. But as you move down uh, just a few verses as he's beginning to sing this song in the night hour, verse 11 says, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember the wonders of old. I will meditate also of all thy work and of all thy doings. Thy way, O Lord, is in the sanctuary. Who is so great a God, even as our God? When he began to remember the works of the Lord, the great wonders of the God that we serve, he will meditate on the works of the Lord. He will talk of the things that the Lord has done, and the Lord has done great things for us, and the way of the Lord is in the sanctuary. And then he asked the question after many, but who is so great a God as our God, the God who is our refuge, and the God who is our strength? It is God that gives that song in the night hour. If you turn over to Revelation chapter 15, just following through about this great song tonight, but Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3, it tells us there of the song that they sing. It's the song of Moses, the servant of the Lord, and it's the song of the Lamb, the song of Moses, the servant of God, and there's the song of the Lamb. And what do they say? Great and marvelous are thy works, Lord God Almighty, he's just and true are thy ways, thy King of saints. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. For all nations shall come and worship before thee. For thy judgments, the judgments of the Lord, have been made manifest. What a mighty God we serve. What a song is sung in the glories of heaven. God would tell Moses, if we go back and consider Israel for a moment, because this is important as we understand why the song was given. God would instruct Moses to teach his people the song of the Lord as a testimony 
unto them. If you turn uh, tonight over into Deuteronomy chapter 31, and you remember uh, as they've traveled through the wilderness, and now they're about to embark upon the great conquest as they go into the land that was promised to them. God said to Moses, I want you to teach my people a song. And this song will be a witness to them. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 19, we see here as God instructs Moses the words that he would put into their ears and the song that he would put into their heart. Now therefore, 31 and 19, write ye this song for you and teach it the children of Israel. Put it in their mouths that this song may be a witness for me and even against the children of Israel. Verse 22, Moses then under the instruction of the Lord wrote this song the same day and taught it the children of Israel. In verse 44 of Deuteronomy chapter 32, the next chapter, as the whole song is put into the ears of the people, it says, And Moses came and spake all the words of the song into the ears of the people, he and Joshua, the son of Nun. Why was it important? Why was it important that God would put these words this song into the heart of Israel. They're about to go in and see the great victories of God. They were going to go in and see the great blessings of the Lord. They were going about to see God blessing them as he bring them through the Jordan. As they go in and see Jericho pulled down. As they see kings defeated. As they would possess the land. But God had said, there's a song I want you to put in their hearts. And this song would be a witness to them. And there's a wonderful song if you read it in Deuteronomy 32. But this song would be there in their hearts, taught to them by Moses, never to forget this song that the Lord had given them. Why would he give them a song that would be a witness to them? Because there might come a time, there might come an hour, there might come a day that God said, if you turn from following me, if you walk your own way, if you begin to seek after other gods, if you begin to go a-whoring after other gods and serve other gods, that song that's been put in your heart will be a witness to you of the great God that delivered you, of the great God that, that set you free, that the great God that brought you out of bondage. You begin to remember when you're far from God, backslidden, and the judgments of God that's coming upon the nation. There'll be a song that you begin to remember as a witness that there's a God in heaven who's full of mercy, that he's full of mercy for each one of us. And that song we'd recall to our mind and the hope would again come into our hearts that there's a place that we can find in God and it's a place of refuge and it's a place of hope. You remember in Psalm 137, you'll see it here if you turn over to Psalm 137. Remember again Israel, who are written for our admonition, but Israel had, had, had fallen and turned away from God. And they turned into their own way. They turned into sin. They turned into worshiping other gods. And God had brought a judgment upon them. And they were, they were, they were brought away to Babylon as captives. And you see it here in Psalm 137 and verse 1. What is it saying? Familiar reading, but this was the song that was in them by the rivers of Babylon. They didn't belong in the rivers of Babylon, by the rivers of Babylon. They didn't belong to be captives. They were God's people chosen. God had brought them out. God had delivered them. God had prepared a place for them, even in the wilderness. 
but now they're far from God. And it says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, and yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, for there they that carried us away captive, look at this, required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. And the songs of Zion, this is what they said, verse 4, How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? The song was a witness against them that they didn't belong in Babylon. They didn't belong to be captives. They belonged to a God who was jealous for them. And so the song of the Lord is a witness against them as they were far from God. But God would hear the cry as they wept by the rivers of Babylon. It was God was able to bring them back again. Remember many years ago hearing the testimony of a man. And a man who was brought up in the way of the Lord, but he went far from the Lord and he ended up in the world and he was playing in the pubs and the clubs and the, on a piano. Remember his testimony clearly here and as a young boy years ago. But as he's playing in those clubs, the piano and the smoke-filled room and the drink, and as he's coming later on in the night, there's a Salvation Army a lady comes into that pub and she begins to put out uh, the, the literature from the Salvation Army and she walked over to this gentleman and simply said to him, could you play for me Amazing Grace? And as he began to play Amazing Grace and he began to sing that old song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon him. The song was a witness to him that he was far from God, but it was a song that would bring his deliverance because the Spirit of God would come upon him at that very moment and he'd be wonderfully and gloriously saved as tears began to run down his face that God, by the Holy Spirit, that song brought again the remembrance that there's a place for me and God, there's a place of refuge for me and God, there's a place of hope. They couldn't sing the song, it was a witness against them. And you know, brothers and sisters, in this hour, you know, there are many that are far from God. There are many that have turned from God. Even we see the departure from the faith. We see a nation that's turned away from God many years ago. We see the laws that we have brought in. We see all the desolation that's come. But you know, there is a people in the midst of all of that. Now there is a song as a witness against them. They'll never forget the songs that they heard when they were kids. They'll never forget the songs that they were taught in Sunday school. It's a witness to them. They still know that Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. It's a witness against them even in this world. They may be far from God. They may be in the depths of sin and despair. They may be at the bottom in some prison house tonight but there's a song that was put into them when they were young and it's that song will be a witness against them to draw them back to the God that loves them. The psalmist David said this, Psalm 40 and verse 2, if we turn to Psalm 40 and verse 2, this is what he said. He said, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the mighty clay, and praise God, he set my feet upon a rock. He's established my goings. And then this is what the Bible says, 
This is with the psalmist pens, and he has put a new song in my mouth. That word new is something fresh, something fresh, something from the Lord he has put in my mouth. It's even praise to our God. And I want you to note just these last words that he penned. Here's a song, a fresh song that's been put in his heart by God, the Holy Spirit. Here's a song that he's been given in his mouth, even a praise to his God. But look what it says, many shall see it. You know, you think he would write, many shall hear it. But what he says here is, many shall see the song, because it's more than a sound. It's more than the outward. It's into the heart of a man or woman. It's in their spiritual DNA. Many shall see the song, and when they see the song of the redeemed, when they see it, they'll fear. And look what happens when the world see the song in the believer, and they shall trust in the Lord, because in the very heart of a man or a woman that's saved, God has put the witness of the Holy Ghost, and there's a song in our hearts, and there's a praise in our mouths, but this world will see it, and they will fear and they shall trust in the Lord. Surely, is that not our prayer in these days? Is that not our cry in these days? When the world are gripped with fear, when the despair has come, when the plague is sweeping our nation, surely it is the hour and it's the time that God's people have the song of the Lord, that many shall see the song of the Lord, and many shall fear because of it, and they'll put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are different. We are a different people. We are pilgrims passing through a weary world. But I passionately believe that this season, when we're locked away, when we're isolated in homes, is for a season I believe that the Lord is going to use it, that the Lord is speaking, that the Lord is stirring. It's only the beginning, but God is beginning to draw out those men and women, those people across this land that have once walked with them and are far from them. And the songs are a witness to them. And they're going to see the song and they're going to come again. They'll put their fear and their trust in the Lord. It's a cry from our hearts tonight that they would see the song. I may not be able to sing a note, but in the heart of a man or a woman, there's a song that's been put there that makes us different in this world. They will see the song of the Lord. They will see that you're different from the rest of the world. It's a real virus. There's real fear, but there's a real God, and he's still the refuge, and he's still our hope. They shall see it, and they shall fear, and they shall put their trust in the Lord. He has brought us out of a horrible pit. He has put our feet upon that rock. He established our goings. He has put a fresh song, a fresh song, even in our minds and praise to our God. And many shall see it and they will fear. You see, the song is a witness. The song that they know, the songs that they heard, the songs that they were taught, the songs that they still can quote, the songs that so many will tell us that they know and heard of years gone by. Those songs, though they may be simple, and those songs even may be mocked by some, but those songs are a witness against them. That there's a God that loves them, 
That there's a God that died for them. That there's a God that wants to save them. There's a God that wants to deliver them. And there's a God that wants to keep them. And there's a God that wants to come for them one day. And that God's name is Jesus Christ. He begins here. What a beginning for a cry or for a song. He begins where every song should begin. He begins with the word God. Just simply God. Elohim. He is God. There is no one like him. He is the supreme God. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the alpha. He is the omega. There is no one like this God. Our God. And his name. This is important. His name is Jesus. He is God. He's the only wise God. Our saviour. And glory and majesty belong to him. Dominion and power belong to him both now and forevermore. Right up in the glories in Revelation 19 tells us that there's a voice of a great multitude. Tells us that there's the voice of many waters. Tells us that there's the voice of the mighty thunderings. And this is what they say. Hallelujah. For the Lord God omnipotent, he reigns. He reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. Our God, our God reigns. Our God rules over all the nations of the world. Our God is in control. It's our God, our God, the one and the true and the living God, the only wise God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The psalmist begins where we all need to turn again, where our nation needs to turn again, where our land needs to turn again, where our government needs to turn again, where every fabric of our society, we need to turn again to God, just God alone. We're forsaken the God that loves us. We're forsaken the God that died for us. And we need to turn again simply to God. One God, the one true God, the living God, the almighty God. Jesus Christ is his name. The psalmist in trouble simply cries out, God. Surely we must cry again, God, Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, our Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us there's one body, there's one spirit. Thank God there's one Lord and there's one faith. There's one baptism, there's one God, and he's Father of all, and he's above all, and he's through all, and he is in you all. He's God. And this God, the Bible says on down in that same chapter of Ephesians 4, if this God, Jesus Christ, is the same God that descended, and by the power of the Holy Ghost was raised, and he's the same God that has ascended up in above all heavens, that he might fill all in all, and he has sat down at the right hand of the Father, and his name is Jesus. And we worship him, and we glorify him, and we lift him up, because he alone is God, and there's no one beside him. If only again we turn to God. I think it was today, it was the first time I heard a politician across these lands, one politician quote the word of God in Parliament at Stormont. It's the first time I've heard a minister or a politician saying, we need to turn to God. It's time as a nation to turn to God. It's time for homes to turn to God. It's time for men to turn to God. It's time for children to turn to God. Simply we must turn back to God. That's what this is all about. God is speaking. 
and are we hearing? No other God shall be before him. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1, this is what it says. And God speak all these words, and this is what he said. Verse 2, Exodus 20 and verse 2. He says, I am the Lord thy God. I have brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Praise God, I brought you out of the house of bondage. I, listen to these words, am the Lord thy God. I am the Lord thy God. There is no one besides me. I am God. In the beginning, God. Simply God. The psalmist directs us, Psalm 46, to God. God and God alone. He says in verse 3 of Exodus 20, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. None. No one. I will have no other gods before me. What a tragedy. What an hour. What a time we've come to. For the gods that we have made. For the idols that we have built. For the gods that we have worshipped. Where we claim to love Jesus. We have raised up gods. All around us in this western world. But God is a jealous God. And God's word is true. I am the Lord thy God. I am the one that has brought you out of Egypt. In our circumstances, he's brought us out of the dens of iniquity, out of the bondage, out of the sin. Thank God, out of the shame, out of the despair. He's brought us out of the house of bondage. Hallelujah. He's saved us by his great power. And this is what he says. But you'll have no other gods before me. I am the Lord thy God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You know, you'll find in the whole history of Israel as you go through those kings, those kings of the northern and the southern kingdoms, you'll find as the record begins to, to, to go through the kings as they're raised up and you'll often find these words right through it. And he did that which was good in the sight of the Lord. Then you'll read, and he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And do you know what all that was about? It was all about when Israel, under those kings, either that they were going to pull down every idol, they were going to pull down every god, everything that they had worshipped, everything that they'd gone after. That's what was when they'd done good in the sight of the Lord. Or when they'd done evil, they would raise up idols, they would raise up other gods, and they would worship those other gods. You know, we have so many gods in the Western world. We may not like some of the pagan and heathen nations. We may not bow down to, 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 to stones and, and bits of wood. We, we may not worship stones. We may not like be the Hindu and worship animals. We, we may not be like those. But we have many gods in the Western world. We have raised up many gods that has offended a holy God. We have the gods of entertainment. We have the gods of materialism. We have the gods of money. We have the gods of sport. We have the gods of, of all the, all the music and all the self promotion. We have the gods of career. We have the gods, all those things that we worship. We, we have the God, we've become God even in our own sight. God saying, this is the hour. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. And there's none besides me. 
I am the Lord thy God, and you'll have no other gods before me. God will pull down every god that we have raised up because he alone is God and there is no one like him. We read the example in 2 Kings at chapter 18. If you turn to it tonight, 2 Kings and chapter 18, this is what it says. Now it came to pass in the third year of Hosea, son of Eli, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. 25 years old was when he began to reign, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother name was Abi, the son of Zechariah, and he did that which right. Here, here's a king that would do that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David his father did. And this is what he did. He removed the high places. He broke the images. He cut down the groves. He broke in pieces the brazen serpent. You remember the brazen serpent that God used for them to be healed, but it became an idol. The idolatry even in the house of God today, the idolatry, what we've raised up, that we worship, worship. Now we see he destroyed it for all of those days the children did burn incense onto it. It says in verse 5, he trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him, for he cleaved to the Lord and departed not from following him. But he kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and the Lord prospered whithersoever he went forth, and he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and he served him not here's a king that did that which was right what we're seeing today is the gods of this world being brought down simply by the judgment of god upon the nation that men would turn again to the lord thy god he is the one and the true god the psalmist says god simply god who is our refuge and who is our strength now Exodus chapter 34 speaks again to Israel and this is what he says. Exodus 34 and verse 12. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, you shall break their images, you shall cut down their groves, for thou shalt worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, he's a jealous God. God wants every part of us. God wants our worship. God wants our lives. We must again turn to God. It seems as we've just entered into this season, that we're at the beginning of something that no man really knows, but God knows. The purpose of God is that men, that his church, that his people, and that many others that are outside of that, will begin to turn again to God and God alone. He is worthy to be praised and to be honoured for who he is, not just for what he can give us. He is God and there's no one beside him. Jesus said in Mark 12 and verse 29, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God 
with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. What a commandment to love the Lord thy God. Lord, the prayer surely is tonight in our hearts and in our lives. Lord, we want to be a people that love you with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, thou shalt love your neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. He is the Lord, our God. He's the one God, the God of Israel. He is God. And he demands of us or requires of us that we love him. But how do we love him? How do we love him? We can't love him because in our own human love, that is not the love of Calvary. We love him because he first loved us. He gave us his son. And that love that he shed abroad in our hearts gave us the ability to love the Lord with everything, to turn away from our idols, to turn away from the things that have left us empty and dry, to turn away from all the things that we have worshipped, to turn back to God. It was the church in Ephesus in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4. This church had many works, but one thing he said to them, that I have somewhat against thee, because that you have lost, you have lost, they have left your first love. You know, friends, in all of what's happening, in all what we're hearing, and all what we're seeing, and all what has taken place, there's a church that's coming out of all of this, and the restoration of their love, their first love for Jesus. This is what it's about. And he loved us and gave himself for us. That there's a restoration of that passion for the Lord. That love of Christ. That love for the Lord. To turn again to God because he's our refuge. He's our refuge and he's our strength. And he's a very present help in trouble. God, what a cry. God. God is our refuge. God is our refuge. God is my refuge. God is your refuge. Sixteen times you'll find it referred to in the Psalms, the word God being our refuge. Three times in this Psalm you'll see the word refuge relating to God. That word simply means a place of security, a place of protection, a place of shelter from the storm, a place of hope. A place that we can find in the midst of trouble. God is, God is our refuge. He's our refuge. There's a place of hope in God. And it's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. The hymn writer says, are we weak and heavy laden? Are we cumbered with a load of care? Then I love this line, precious Savior. He's still, he's still our refuge. There's a refuge for us. In the storm, we take it all to the Lord in prayer. The only place, the only place you'll find hope, the only place you'll find true shelter is in the person of Jesus Christ. Oh, that we would flee like him, him of old that would flee to grab the horns of an altar in the tabernacle to find mercy with God. Thank God we can find mercy tonight at the foot of the cross. We find a place of refuge. We find a place of hope. We find a place of shelter in the storm. And that place is found in Jesus Christ, 
and in him alone. Turn to God. God is our refuge. The psalmist says, hear my cry, O Lord, Psalm 61. We close with this. Hear my cry, O God, and attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been, and there's the same word again. Thou hast been a shelter. It's the same word. Thou hast been a refuge. Thou hast been a shelter for me. A strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in the tabernacle of the Lord forever. And I will trust in the covert of thy wings. Thank God we have a shelter and a place of refuge. God is our refuge. Maybe you're listening tonight, backslidden, cold in heart. God is our refuge. Turn to God tonight. Turn to him in these days. Call upon his name. He will answer when we call from the depths of our heart. He'll come. He'll save us. He'll give us that peace to bring us through this storm. But turn to God tonight. He is a refuge. He is strength in a time of trouble. Let's pray together tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray as we come just to a close tonight. Even, Lord, as Lord, the preacher's voice would be silent, that we would continue just to pray and thank you for the refuge and the shelter that you are even in the times of great trouble. Lord, we pray tonight for your people, Lord. Oh, God, we pray that we would turn to you, there be a call, there be a cry. Lord, there be a song that the word would see. Lord, that many will fear and put their trust in you, Lord. Lord, we pray that that song, Lord, that be put into so many, even as we once. Lord, we're thinking of loved ones tonight. We're thinking of, Lord, precious sons and daughters. Lord, we're thinking of nephews and nieces and sisters and brothers and husbands and wives tonight that, Lord, are far from you, but once sat in meetings, once sang even the songs of Zion. But tonight they're far from God. And, Lord, we're praying, Lord, oh, God, those songs are a witness against them. But, Lord, would you cause them to hear those songs ringing again in their hearts? Would you cause them to rise up, Lord, from the rivers of Babylon, Lord? Lord, when they sat down and they wept, they see the misery of sin. They see the misery of being backslidden and far from God. But, Lord, they would arise and come back to the God that loves them. We thank you that you're our refuge, Lord, in the time of trouble. Lord, we pray you bless your people. Oh, Father, we're asking, Lord, tonight, Lord, that you be with each one of us. Keep us in your word, Lord. Oh, Father, strengthen us by your great power. Encourage us, Lord, in these days. We'd encourage one another. We'd lift each other up in prayer. Lord, that we would love you with all of our hearts. Oh, God, we pray there be a passionate love, Lord, amongst your people for Jesus and for one another. Oh, God, give us that love, Lord. Give us that love. Increase it, Lord. Baptize us with that Calvary's love tonight, O oh God. Lord, even if there's some tonight, Lord, that are just cold in heart, we pray that through the preaching of your word, Lord, they'd be warmed again, Lord, drawn close to your side, restored, and Lord, they come back to their first love. Oh, we just thank you tonight, and we praise you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Praise the Lord.